You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Amen. You come to hear the word of the Lord this morning? And uh, um, I'm, I'm going to speak to you today about the goodness of the Lord for the lost. The goodness of the Lord for the lost. Amen. John 3, 16, familiar verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have our everlasting life. This verse is very clear that it doesn't matter who it is. As long as they believe, they can have everlasting life. Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3 and 9, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's will for everybody to be saved. Everybody. It's not his will that anybody would perish. Paul writes to the church of Rome in chapter 5 and says, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm thankful this morning that everybody was on the same playing field and the same gospel worked for every individual. If you're in this house this morning and you know the Lord, it's only been because of the cross and Jesus Christ loving you at Calvary that allows you to be here this morning, amen, and redeemed. And Jesus made it clear his only mission in Luke 19 and 10 was to come and seek and save that which was lost. That was his mission. That's why he came. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't to be some kind of a spectacle. No, he had one thing in mind, that you and I could be saved. I'm thankful this morning for the goodness of the Lord for the lost, the whosoever will, that no one would perish, that sinners would come to repentance, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So I take uh, uh, my text this morning, and, and I'm reading to you, and I'm going to uh, speak about the story of, of uh, Jonah. And uh, the story in Jonah is a, an interesting story. Sometimes, some people have tried to pass it off as it, it hasn't or isn't real, and, and I, I'm not of that thinking or belief at all. I believe that God allowed the miraculous to happen in Jonah's life for an example to us this morning that we could be saved. And so when you start and you read through um, the book of Jonah, it's only a short little uh, a book, but God has is, uh, is directed Jonah that he wants him to go to Nineveh. And... Um, you know, Jonah's, Jonah's a, a man of God. He's a prophet. And you would think that a prophet, a man of God, would want people uh, to hear the good news so they could be spared and not destroyed. Nineveh had become a, where, a very evil place, the Bible says. And it was God's will it was to send them a message. And he was going to use the man of God. And what's interesting about it is the man of God wasn't interested. The man of God didn't want to go. 
He wanted to go in the opposite direction. The Bible says he went down to Joppa, and he was going to get on a boat for Tarsus. And the Bible says in chapter 1 that he was running from the presence of God. Running from the presence of God. And so sometimes we, we read Scripture like that, and it's like, how, how is that possible? Why is it that anyone would do such a thing? And, and the Scripture doesn't always give us the background, but, but history does. History gives us the background of why Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. Jonah was an Israelite, and the Ninevites were Gentiles, and Jonah was not interested in taking them what God had to say. And we have to back up and say, okay, what, what was it that, that uh, caused Jonah to be such a way? Uh, when, well, history tells us uh, uh, that, that uh, the Ninevites did a lot of bad things to the Israelites. They knew that the Israelites followed the law. And inside the law, there was a lot of things that the Israelites couldn't do. And for example, the Israelites weren't, weren't allowed to come in contact with a dead body unless they went through a cleansing. That had to happen on a particular way. There was a particular ritual, and that, that was something that, that had to take place. No one could be excluded. They had to go through particular cleansings. So, so what the Ninevites would do is they would take the normal route uh, that the Israelites walked, uh, and they would, they would hang dead bodies along the road. And here comes the Israelites just minding their own business, going about their day, and they come in contact with a dead body. That just disrupted everything that they had planned for that day. So they would, before the end of the day, would have to go through the cleansing process and they would have to go through the rituals. And, and, and this wasn't something they asked for. It wasn't something that they were expecting that day. But you can imagine how much that would be irritating. This was part of the law. This was part of the requirements of, of what the Israelites did. And they did this on a, on a regular basis to the Israelites along the path uh, that they would walk. And, and, and they would continually have to go through the cleansing process. And so you can maybe start to understand why Jonah had no interest. You know what? If they're lost, serves them right. If they're, if they're that type of people, let them, let God deal with them. Let judgment come. Let, you can understand how, how Jonah, he had no interest in going to Nineveh to preach. So what Jonah does, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I'm going to get on a boat in Joppa, and I'm going to go to Tarsus, and I'm going to get as far away from the Ninevite people as possible. And that's what he does. And while he gets on the boat, the Bible says that God sends a, a strong, strong wind, a storm, and uh, he, he, through this process, tells the, the mariners, the sailors on the boat that, that uh, uh, he's running from the presence of God. These are pagan people. They're not, they're not God-fearing people. They're not, they're not people that, that love God, serve God, worship God. They're, they're just uh, sailors and mariners. And here's, here's the man of God, the prophet, that gets on there, and all of a sudden uh, there's a huge storm that comes up, and they're working hard to stay alive, and they're trying to save their lives. And, and Jonah's down in the boat. Uh, he's asleep. And they uh, awake him and say, listen, there's, there's a problem going on here. And, and Jonah lets them know, guess what? I'm the, pre I'm the reason for the problem. 
Bible says they cast lots, and, and the lot fell upon Jonah. And, and Jonah, Jonah says, listen, I'm running from the presence of God. You can, you can read it right in chapter 1. Uh, they, they said, well, why would you do such a thing? Why, why is it that you would bring that upon us? Uh, well, I have no in- interest in going to Nineveh. No interest. And uh, do you know what? Um, when we start running from God, bad things happen. Bad things happen. I want you to look at verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. When you start running from God, you start going down. And he found a ship going to Tarsus, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it. And with them unto Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Everything is downward when you start running from God. There's nothing positive about it. Let me tell you this morning. Hear what I'm saying. There's nothing positive when you start running from God. It's a downward spiral. And until you come to a realization that I'm tired of going downward, you'll continue to go downward. Your life will fall apart. Your home will fall apart. Your marriage will fall apart. Your finances will fall apart. Listen, it's a downward spiral. When you start running from the presence of God, there's nothing good that happens. What's interesting is these pagan sailors and mariners, they don't know nothing about God. Verse 5 says that they have, the mariners were afraid. They had a general fear. Like, what, what's happening here? This is, this is not good. We, we don't like this. By verse 10, it says that they were uh, they, they, the men were exceedingly afraid. This is, this is, we're in danger. Our lives are in danger. These are people that don't know God. <laughs> they had a general fear, and then all of a sudden, they're extremely afraid. But by 16, verse 16, they're worshiping God. The men that feared the Lord exceedingly, they offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, Jehovah. By verse 16, these people who had no idea about God, they were going upward. And people running from God were going downward. You can read it through the chapter. The men, they pray to their pagan gods at first. And by verse 14, they're praying to the almighty Jehovah. These people who know nothing about God. The goodness of the Lord for the lost. Jonah, the man of God, is on a boat with people who don't know anything about God. He's running from God, and God's still reaching for the people on the boat. It's interesting. It didn't stop there for Jonah. It kept going down. They threw him overboard. Guess what? He went down. He went down into the fish's belly. This is... This is a downward spiral for him. He went down so far until he finally came to his senses that this is not looking good. Can't even imagine the scenario of being in the the belly of a whale. 
I don't even like it on the water. Alone to be in the depths of the sea, in a whale's belly, seaweed and all the other junk he's eating. I, I mean, eating, there's hard to say what was in there. All we know is Jonah went far enough down that he said, this is not going to end well. I've got to get this turned around. And the, the cry went out unto the Lord. And he cried unto God from the depths of the sea. And the Lord heard his prayer. There was something that God was reaching for in the lost of Jonah. Yeah, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. I don't want to go to Nineveh. God, they do everything negative towards us. They're bad people, but Jonah, they're lost. I want them to be spared. Evil is in Nineveh. And you're the person to Take them a solution, Jonah. Oh, no, I'm going to run from that. I'll let you run for a bit, Jonah, but you're going to go to the depths of despair. Here's the interesting thing about how it works in life. People who know God and start going backwards end up in despair. End up in despair. I'm not sugarcoating it for you this morning. It's the truth. It will be a catastrophe. But people who know nothing about God, and they start on the journey, and all of a sudden there was fear, exceeding fear, and then there was an awe of Jehovah. And by the time the storms calmed, Jonah's overboard, they're offering sacrifice unto the almighty God. They're not waiting until they even get off the boat. They're not waiting until they get home. They're not waiting until they find a church. They're not waiting until they find another prophet who's actually running towards God. They're not waiting for any of that. This is an almighty God. This is much different uh, than our pagan gods of this world. This is much different than what we have been serving up to this point. There's an awe uh, and a reverence for this God. Uh, he, he controls the storm. Yeah. The goodness of the Lord for the lost. Jonah spit up on dry land. It's a quite a journey for him in the belly of the whale. He ends up only three days' journey from Nineveh. You can look at the map. That's, a, that's an interesting journey for him because it's a lot longer than three days, naturally. But the Bible says he ends up three days from Nineveh. And God says, Jonah, I want you to go. And off Jonah goes. And in our English language, he only says eight words. I don't know exactly what it was in the Hebrew, but in our English language, it's eight words. That's all he says. And, and all of a sudden, the, the, the leadership of, of Nineveh says, listen, we're going to listen to this man. Everybody's going to listen. And, and all of Nineveh responded to what Jonah said, just, just a short little uh, message, uh, very short. And everyone responded. And, and, and the judgment of God was held back from Nineveh, Nineveh because finally the man of God went and shared what God wanted him to share. And then you... Start to read chapter 4. And the response of everyone responding to Jonah, Jonah's not too happy about it. The Bible says he was very angry. Can you imagine? He's angry because everyone responded to his message. 
I would love for everyone to respond when I preached. I'd like to take a survey sometimes at the door and see if people actually know what I preached. It's one of two things. You had no idea what I was saying, or you weren't listening, maybe. Could be those. Or there's a response. I would do that with my kids after we came home from church when they were young, and uh, I would ask them to make sure they were paying attention. And I always did it in an order of age, and they, Marissa didn't like that because the other two had already said everything about the message before it got to her. Can you imagine? He was upset because the people had responded. And then he goes and sooks about it. I mean, he's sulking about it. He's, 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 actually, he's actually wanting to die. Can you, can you just think about it. He's in the, the, the belly of a whale and survives. And now he's sitting against a tree and, and, and he's concerned that the worm eats the leaf that's given him shade. What is wrong with you, Jonah? You just preached a message and all of Nineveh has responded. What an incredible goodness of God that he has for the lost what a, what a prime example of God using imperfect people to get his message across to people who are hungry to hear what God has to say. So you have, you have this story of, 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 of Jonah in, in, in the Old Testament, and then you connect it to the New Testament. <clears throat> Jesus calls Peter in John chapter 21. He calls him Simon Peter, son of Jonah. We know that this is not the same Jonah, but he is Simon Peter's son of Jonah. And in Acts chapter 10, Peter's hungry. He goes up on the, his rooftop and he's relaxing. He's going to have a little sleep and, and he's hungry. And God lets a sheet come down from heaven as it were a sheet. And on there is all kinds of things that Peter has never eaten before. The Lord says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Oh, God, I could never do that. Uh, those things are unclean. I, I've never touched those things. Those are, not, those are not part of my diet. Those are not things that, that, that would be uh, suitable for me to eat as a Jew. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Oh, no, God, I couldn't do that. Third time, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Don't you call uh, things uh, unclean that I've called clean. Don't you call things uh, uncommon that I've called common, uh, Peter. Uh, uh, let me tell you what's happening. There's, there's three men right now uh, sent uh, that they're at your door. Uh, they've been sent from Joppa to come and uh, to reach you. What do you mean? Uh, Simon Peter, son of Jonah, three men sent from Joppa. Sound familiar? This wasn't just about what was on the sheet for food for Peter to eat. It was actually about a whole group of people that it represented. Cornelius had been praying. Cornelius had, 
had reached out. He was wanting direction. Who, who is it that, that can help me find what I'm looking for? Who is it that will give me the next steps in my, in my hunger for God? And God's working on Peter. Send men to Simon Peter. Let, let him come and he'll tell you. And Peter goes through this whole story. Oh, no, I could never eat that. And God is preparing Peter for a whole group of people that had not been reached before. The Bible says Peter doubted in himself. But three men came from Joppa. Chapter 10, verse 34, Peter said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Everyone is on the same level at the cross. And Peter says, Listen, I, I'm, I'm starting to get the message from God that he's wanting everybody to hear this wonderful truth and gospel. And Peter tells, starts telling Cornelius about the message. And, and, and by verse 43, this is what it says in verse 43. Uh, uh, Peter, he's, he's been telling him about uh, his conversion. This is what's taken place. Uh, he said to him, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. It was God's will, God's goodness was for the lost. The Bible says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. This is the response to what happens to the goodness of the Lord. You can read it in chapter 11, 15. Peter's telling the, the people back in Jerusalem what has happened. Uh, listen, I went to Cornelius' house. Uh, I know this seems like it's off the, off the what we do normally, uh, but I, I, I've had this whole vision, and, and, and God sent me there, and, and they received the Holy Ghost. Uh, and he tells them in verse 15, they received the Holy Ghost as well as we at the beginning. So you have two Groups of people that were on the outside looking in. And God's goodness was so powerful that he wanted them on the inside looking out. He gets through to Jonah finally. And he gets through to Peter finally. And you and I today get to sit in this building because of that. If it had not come to the Gentiles, we wouldn't be here. We would have no reason to be here. Our lives wouldn't be changed or transformed. But we have received the Holy Ghost as they did at the beginning. That's why when Jesus went to Calvary, And suffered unimaginable things at Calvary. Hard for us to even fathom the things that took place to him, his body, humiliation, shame. You can go through the whole list to the point of being nailed to the cross and thorns on his head and the spear drove through his side. Even in that whole process, a thief on each side, one that cursed him and the other that called out for mercy. 
And God, even in that state, his goodness was still for the lost. Even in the middle of what was happening to him, it would have been so easy to ignore the sounds and the voices. No, no, no. He was still at that moment concerned for the lost. Calvary takes place and Jesus says it is finished and and the earth quakes and the skies darken and the graves are opened and all kinds of miraculous things take place when he says it is finished. He had come and completed what he came to do to seek and to save that which was lost, to pay the price, to purchase salvation. Hallelujah. He did that at Calvary. The Bible tells us in John chapter 20, he shows up at his disciples' house and makes himself known to them. It was a great event after the resurrection. But there was one disciple that wasn't there. And the Bible says eight days later, Jesus showed up. He was standing in the room. The Bible even gives us clear description that he was standing in the room without coming through the door. I don't know. Probably for most of us, that would be enough. Someone ends up in your house and they didn't come in through the door. That may be enough to convince most people. But there was one guy. Kind of gets a bad rap, but he just wanted to have his own relationship with God. And he made it very clear, unless I see the nail prints in his hands and the spear mark in his side, I'll not believe. And you can search Scripture. And if you do find some other place, you can let me know. But I find no other reason why the spear mark was left in his side and the nail prints were left in his hands other than there was one person that was still in the process of doubting. That said, unless I see the nail prints in his hands and the spear mark in his side, then I'll not believe in Jesus shows up in the house without coming through the door, and he's not interested in talking to anyone else at that moment. He goes directly to one person, and that's to Thomas. Thomas, take your finger and put it into my hands, Thomas, and take your hand and put it into my side, Thomas. And instantaneously, something happens in Thomas' life. The lights go on. Yes, he had been coming to church. He had been following the Lord. Yes, he had been walking. But there was some still uh, part of his life that was not fully submitted in some aspects. And yet, at that moment, when that took place in his life, he said, My Lord and my God. This is more than just a rabbi and a teacher. This is the almighty God. Thomas, I'm glad you got it. I'm glad, Thomas, it got through. But there's going to be a group of people down the road, Thomas, that they're not going to get to see right away, but they're still going to believe, Thomas. And this morning in 2022, we have the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. And the goodness of God is still reaching for the lost. It's still reaching for a group of people that live an evil lifestyle. 
It's still reaching for a group of people that are calling upon God, but they don't know exactly what they need to do. And it's still reaching for people who are walking with God, but have not had a true revelation of who He is. The goodness of the Lord for the lost, the Ninevites who were evil. Cornelius, who needed the way, explained to him in a greater way. And Thomas, who needed a personal encounter with Jesus. The goodness of the Lord for the lost. I encourage you this morning. Don't follow the direction of Jonah. It's a downward spiral. But rather follow the direction of people that are on their way towards God. Oh, there's going to be lots of imperfections and there's going to be lots of issues. But they're aiming towards God. Follow a man like Cordelius that just wants to know God in a greater dimension. Follow someone like Thomas who says, I want a personal encounter with Jesus. If that's the approach this morning, then the goodness of the Lord will be experienced in your life. See, whether you and I submit ourselves to God, it doesn't change His goodness. It doesn't change His goodness. Whether I serve God or not doesn't change His goodness. But because of His goodness for me, because of His goodness for you, then you can allow yourself to come closer to Him. And God is so interested in one person that He'll show up eight days later after He's met with the disciples. The Lord could have easily said, you know what? I was there eight days ago. I got a lot of places to go before I ascend here. I'm going to make myself known to as many people as possible. I've got a busy schedule. Thomas wasn't there. Tough luck. He should have known that I have a busy schedule. He should have been there. The rest of the disciples made time. Thomas... Now, that's not his approach. His approach was the opposite. He heard the cry of one individual that said, unless, unless, unless Jesus shows up and he says, take your finger, Thomas, take your finger and put it into my hand. And take your hand, Thomas, and thrust it into my side. For one person, Jesus arranged his whole schedule because of his goodness for the lost. I have no idea what Thomas's life would have been from that day. Maybe it would have been, well, I thought he was the real thing. But I, they killed him. I don't know if someone stole his body. 
I don't know what he said was true or not. I don't know. I don't know what Thomas's life would have been in the future. All I know is that what it was when he had a personal encounter with God, that he is my Lord and my God. The goodness of the Lord for the lost. Whatever situation you find yourself in this morning, whatever situation, maybe you have never had a relationship with God. If you've never had a relationship with God, today's the day. Today is the day to hear the message from the man of God today that God's goodness is for the lost. Don't feel bad about being considered lost. We all were lost. Every one of us were a sinner and we're only saved by His grace. Everybody, all have sinned and come short, fallen short, did not measure up, did not qualify. But Christ commendeth His love toward us. And while we were yet sinners... He died for us. So if you've never had a relationship with God before and you're in this building or watching or listening online, today's the day. Today is the day to give your heart to the Lord, to offer yourself. God, here I am. God, I don't have a lot to offer, but here I am. I'm just giving myself to you this morning. I'm giving my heart, my life. I'm giving my future to you, God. Everything, God, that, that in my life, I want it to be directed by you and because of you. God, here I am. I'm asking you, God, to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you, God, to take away the sin that has been in my heart, the sinful lifestyle, God, that maybe I have lived, the, the things that I've done wrong and the things that I should have did that I, that I haven't done. And, and, and God, I want you to cleanse me of all of that sin that's in my life. If you've never had a relationship with God, today, today is the day of your salvation. There is no other day that's better than right now. Tomorrow's gone and tomorrow or yesterday's gone and tomorrow will never arrive. It will always be tomorrow. Today, right now, is the right day. And maybe you're a person this morning that has started on this journey. And maybe there's been some slips or falls or times along the way. cry out like Cornelius did God will hear the cry a preacher will come by and share the good news of Jesus Christ and you can have the same spirit that has been poured out at the beginning same spirit and maybe you're a person that's just got some doubt in your mind this morning. I don't know. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if it's possible. I don't know if God will receive me. I don't know if I can get back. I don't know if I can move forward. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do that. Maybe it's all just filled with a little bit of doubt here or there. It's okay. Jesus has showed up in the room. 
It's not because I'm here. And it's sure not because anyone else is here. It's because Jesus has showed up in the room. And he's after you this morning. You. It's not for someone else. He's after you today. He's after a personal encounter with you. His desire is for you to take his hand this morning. Understand what happened at Calvary. Understand that he's so concerned about you that he would take this day, this service, this moment, and prepare it right for you today. I encourage you to respond to the word of the Lord. Matthew chapter 12. The scribes and the Pharisees. They come to Jesus and uh, they were doing this on a regular basis. Master, we would we would see a sign. We, we'd like to have a sign that it's really you. They're always wanting some show. They were always wanting some miraculous thing to, that they could try to hang on. Give us a sign. Let us know it's you. And here's what the Lord's response was in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 39. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of, of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. It's not because of Jonah, it's not because of Peter, and it won't be because of me. Someone greater than all three of us is here this morning. And he's reaching for every person in this building, every person watching online or listening today, the goodness of the Lord is for the lost. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.